0: so iran population have always been pro-america and during the shah of course the government was also very pro-america in the previous government so even if you go to iran today most people love to talk to americans Mm. and learn english from you and things it's completely different than what you think if the infrastructure is very strong the country is very well built so it's not a you won't think that you're in a it's not country. a third world. Oh, I don't. Yeah. No, it's very modern mm-hmm. in places. it, it, it is a well together country.
1: Oh, hey, welcome to the Made Right Here podcast. This is Paul Spontia with the IT company. Today's episode is really cool. It is uh, a guy that everybody in our market knows as Hash Hashimian. Hash is the CEO and founder of AMS, and uh, you're just going to hear some cool stuff. Um, Hash is from Iran and grew up there, Uh, moved to America when he was 24 years old to pursue a higher education. And he's going to really break down some of the misconceptions we have about Iran and what it's like to grow up there. And uh, even like for an an example, um, his dad was a woman's rights lawyer in Iran. And that probably breaks all of the kind of mental models of what we think about Iran. So, uh, cool story. Hash is really an awesome guy. Fun to have on. Enjoy listening to his story. Uh, part one from the Made Right Here podcast. Really first question is where were you born? And tell me about your family, siblings, parents, and just tell me about like zero to like 12. I got it. <laughs> so I was born
0: in Tehran, which is the capital of Iran,
1: Iran okay. I,
0: and I have two brothers and one sister. My father was a prominent Iranian lawyer, women's rights lawyer, and he- Wait,
1: Did you say human rights lawyer? Women's rights lawyer. Women's rights lawyer. Yeah. So he
0: was always- Interesting. Being interviewed like this by guys like you who okay. want to know more about him, and he told me something. He said, anytime we give an interview, remember? They are going to say what they want to say of what you said. <laughs> They're, going
1: say. They're going to craft it what to their story, say. not your story. <laughs> yeah, so what that too. That's yeah, Smart. So
0: my mom was a homemaker. My sister was the first one who came to America and became an architect. Wow. In the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. And then went back home and was actually moved up to, to high ranks in the Iranian airlines. They're building airports and those kind of things. Wow. And my aunt was here as the first family member who came here, got her PhD in biology, and started working at Oak Ridge National Lab as a cancer researcher, and then then became a professor in Ohio. And one of the reasons why I came here was because she was here, plus the fact that I wanted to study nuclear engineering. And because of Oak Ridge National Lab Mm -hmm. and the University of Tennessee, this is one of the best places for nuclear engineering, nuclear power. So I came here when I was 24 years old. I finished my bachelor's degree in physics from the National University of Iran. I was there during the previous government of the Shah. And then when I came here, I didn't come here as a, I came here to go to school. You weren't a
1: refugee, you weren't fleeing Iran. You came to go to school. No,
0: it was at that time, a lot of Iranian kids went to school for higher education in other countries in the u s yeah. was a prime yeah. target, yeah, Iran has a lot of big and good universities, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to get into some mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. and a couple of them are just they call the m i t of Iran interesting, they, so
1: what was it like? When was this? In the? Did you grow up in the 60s? So um, I was born in
0: 1950. 50, so when okay. I came to U.S., I was 24 years okay. old. It was 1974.
1: What was it like growing up in Iran back then? It was awesome. Yeah? It really was awesome. Really? The best place, yes. Because we, we have a skewed perspective in the West. Very much. Of Iran. So. We see it as post what the Shah, that whole. We see it as where it's been crafted for us to see it. In the they West, like, yeah. So, Iran
0: population have always been pro-America, and during the Shah, of course, the government was also very pro-America in the previous government. So, even if you go to Iran today, most people love to talk to Americans mm. and learn English from you yeah. and things. It's completely different than what you think. If it, the infrastructure is very strong, the country is very well built, so it's not a you won't think that you're in a- It's not a third world. Oh, at all. Yeah. No, it's very modern in Ooh. places. It, it, it is a well together com- country. Oh, interesting. And pretty peaceful. Iran is the middle of a very difficult place in the Middle East yeah. and more difficult now with Russia doing what they do yeah. to Ukraine, but it's been pretty stable and there are different views of the Iranian government, mm-hmm. but, but no, this is a major country and yeah. doing
1: very well. Yeah. What I'm so I'm slightly fascinated again, Western view, I'm slightly fascinated about your father being a women's rights lawyer because we would be told and to that's mm-hmm. not something that's even a reality in the Middle East in a Muslim country. My business partner's Muslim, so I actually have a different perspective than I'm Muslim too I so. Have my so I have a different perspective, but I think the world at large, especially probably in the mm-hmm. South, would be like, I'm sorry, there's a lawyer in iran who is a women's right what does that even mean
0: that's another misunderstanding of iran it's not true that the iranian women do not have the same sort of rights than they do here there are some historical biases that are not true anymore Mm -hmm. probably not quite as good as the west or Mm -hmm. america but it's not like what you think yeah my dad as
1: oppressed as what we would be my,
0: my mom was the boss of everything. My mom would slap my dad in the face <laughs> if he did some wrong.
1: <laughs> My dad would say, I still
0: love you. No, it's not mm. like that at all. So my mother, for example, was in charge of all the finance of the mm. house, which wow. was horrible because they wouldn't give us any money. My mom was pretty hard to get <laughs> money out of us. So she was tough. Now, she was tough. My dad was a criminal defense attorney. That was his day job. But okay. um, his, uh, his volunteer job was women's rights. Really?
1: Lawyer, yes. Wow. So he got a lot of press. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. And so when you think back on growing up, like how did growing up in Iran influence you? Like even today, looking back, like, how do you think it shaped you? I mean, obviously it's huge because that's where you grew up, but like being from the middle East, building a business in East Tennessee like how did that shape you how did that influence you how did that well a lot of people
0: think that it's hard for a Middle Eastern guy to do well in America but I never saw any bias against me well wow. people have been always very really very generous yeah. and very understanding you hear some stuff but one on one I've never had any problem I've never had any problem I'm very privileged to be here and very happy to be here it was very common for people like me to go to school for undergraduate study and try to go to mostly America, but other countries Mm -hmm. as well. And my other choice was France, because Iran, at the time when my dad was growing up, was second language was French. When I was growing up, second language was English. So we have some French influence. Why French? that's a good. I don't know question. the history behind that, that. that. That's a good question, but my dad spoke French, really? so we <laughs> speak English. So it went from French to English. Yeah. Iran was very pro. I mean, most of us who wanted to go to school wanted to come to U.S. Yeah, if we couldn't come to U.S. then because we would go to other countries. Some people were wanted. From the beginning to go, a bunch of my cousins live in France and yeah. they, they are in similar businesses. Yeah. Almost all the Iranian kids that want to study engineering wanted to go to MIT, but yeah. well, you can't go to MIT, it's not that hard, that mm-hmm. easy. I would have gone to MIT, but I came here because my aunt was here and I wanted to study nuclear yeah. engineering. Why nuclear engineering? That's a good question. Actually, during the show As I said, Iran had a very good relationship with the United States. And Shah was thinking that the oil has other purposes, that Mm -hmm. we can do a lot of other things with it Mm -hmm. than generate power and things. So he says, let's use nuclear power to generate electricity so that we can do other things with our oil and gas. Got it. So he actually was planning to build like more than 20 nuclear power plants, American-made. So I went to Iran in 1976 I guess there was a conference of the American Nuclear Society in Iran I went to that I was a mm. student I went there it was fascinating mm. a lot of major American companies were in Iran because everybody was Because they were going to sell, build
1: they're planning to build a bunch of
0: nuclear power plants yeah. and they Iran actually started building one that was then stopped during the new government but then they started and finished it so we have to operating successfully operating nuclear power plant, the Russian made. So it was German made first. Yeah, and they retrofitted with the uh, Russian nuclear power plants. Wow!
1: You did your undergraduate in Iran, and then you came here to do right. postgraduate exactly. education to get your PhD. That was the part I got of your my thought. master's
0: degree from the University of Tennessee. Okay, and then then while I was doing finishing my master's degree. I started my company with my major professor, Dr. Curlin, his name was a great guy, great professor. And then uh, after the company got on its feet, I went back to school to get my PhD in nuclear engineering, but I applied to three universities for engineering. I got accepted on all three and I did all three. So I got three PhDs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What, which three universities?
0: So I went to, so I picked the universities based on what my field was. So, okay. so my field is instrumentation and control system testing for nuclear power plants. Okay. So it's so specialized. There's not a lot of people that do that. University of Tennessee was not because I was already involved with the school. So I couldn't also be a student here. Mm-hmm. So I picked Chalmers University of Technology in, uh, in Sweden. And the reason I did that, a professor that is very famous in our field, and Dr. Imre Pai was there and, and I wanted to study under him. Mm. So I went there for a PhD in nuclear engineering. You went to
1: Sweden? I did it did mostly. You for,
0: I did it mostly. He came here a couple of times. I went there a couple of times. Oh, no. So we did it remotely. But he also assigned a professor here to actually okay. manage me because it had to be formal. And they are very strict yeah. in doing it this way. So it's, it wasn't a cakewalk, but wow. it was a good experience. I got yeah. my PhD in nuclear engineering from Sweden.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Going back just a little bit, when you came here to do your postgraduate, were you thinking, I'll go back to Iran? And I'll... Absolutely. So I you weren't planning to stay in America? No,
0: no, Okay. not that I didn't really love the place, yeah. but I was planning to finish graduate school and go right back to Iran.
1: Okay. And did starting AMS is that what derailed those plans and changed your plans? Well, everything
0: changed. So I started AMS while I was a graduate student Okay, with my professor, Dr. Curlett. And then, then the, when the government changed, nuclear power was not necessary there. Got it. So I stayed. Okay.
1: Was there anything about that government shift that also was like, I don't want to go back to that? Or was it you? Would it wasn't
0: be been... due to the government. Oh, just I just changed. started a company that was doing well. Okay and the nuclear was put on hold in Iran so this was the best okay. place to stay
1: did you ever growing up as a child ever think i want to own my own business was it ever something that was yeah, part of I'm, your I'm, thought process
0: mom? i'm a control freak so i don't As <laughs> you probably are too so i don't listen to other people <laughs> telling me what to do except my children and my wife but they won't they don't agree they would tell you that i don't listen to them either Cause I do, <laughs> but uh, that was probably one reason. But I was also fortunate because my professor, Doctor Curlin, was also a huge influence. I would have started the company one way or the other. Okay.
1: So, you felt like it was going to happen. Did, now, did, tell us a little bit about that. Was he actually? Did, was it his idea? Was it your idea? Was it? It was
0: both of us. I should give him the credit that he the technology that that I did for my master's degree became useful. Uh, in the nuclear industry while I was working on it. So we thought we will do this uh, on a commercial basis. So we did the same kind of stuff when I was developing this on a voluntary basis. We would Mm. go to a couple of nuclear power plants and say, can you let us do this and see if it works? And then once we find out that it works, at the same time, the government made the regulation that you have to do this. So Dr. Kerlin and I, talked about it. I think it was, I could say that he was the initiated person. It was his idea Mm. to do this, go commercial. And then he asked me to join him if I would. And I said, yes, I really do. And uh, that's how it happened. How old were you? I was, it was 1977. So I was 27 years old.
1: 27. Wow. That's awesome. One thing I just want to note really quick, PhD in nuclear engineering and computer engineering and Doctor of Engineering, and Electrical Engineering. So, the reason. three different PhDs? Yeah, so this is, yeah, the very happy. I don't is, think I've ever met anybody with three PhDs. So we, so it's impressive. So thank you.
0: No, I have heard there's a guy who has five of them, but. But you I, still have time. Actually, <laughs> I would do it if I really was not doing what I do. Yeah. Because I really like education. Like a, yeah. I was at the University of Tennessee yesterday and the day before. Huh. And I was there it, yesterday. Yes, I was recruiting. Were yeah. you there for recruiting? Were you recruiting? at the job fair? Yeah, I was, uh, at I was job there for...
1: too. I should have. no oh, yeah. man, I wish I would have known you were there. I was
0: there. Yeah, and I'm very aggressive when I go over there because the students just walk in front of you.
1: Yeah, it's very competitive. too. me about.
0: Ten years to convince the University of Tennessee to put this label on and say the degree first, not yeah, their name. Yeah, a lot of time I would go there and I would, I can't see that. Yeah. so a lot of them would pass. But yesterday they did it. Yeah, they all have their names And you so. should give me yeah. the credit for that. All because right, I'm going to give I, you credit. I finally got <laughs> Randy Boyd. I had lunch with him. I said, "Randy, do something for me. Tell these guys to do it to put the thing up yeah, there because that's a good idea." And so yesterday I was very successful in grabbing a lot of the students and interviewing him a little bit yeah. and things. And the night before I was there for the Society of Women's Engineers. Okay. So that's one of my causes. Actually, I started or helped to start, I think, at the College of Electrical Engineering of UT called SISTERS. Hmm. And it's, it's not SI, sister the way you do it. It's SY, so that because of systems. System engineering has to do it. Interesting. With electrical, and that has grown. So there was, I was asked by the department head when I was on the electrical engineering advisory board to, I said, I'm not going to come here unless you give me something to do. (laughs) I don't like these talking clubs. So they said, you increase the female population of electrical engineering? So I started this thing. I haven't been involved with it lately, but it's grown some legs. So I was there the night before with the society of women engineers trying to help these young ladies and uh, to mentoring. They were all freshmen and juniors, but yesterday I was trying to hire people.
1: I was impressed with how many female engineering students there were. We had quite a few. I was, yeah, it was true. a pretty good and varied, not that they wouldn't be sharp, but just extremely sharp, all of them very. I was really impressed with all the young men and women, how well spoken they were and articulate. Oh, well, questions I was I asked too, and,
0: yeah, yeah, there's some a change in what I saw and i attribute that to our great president randy (laughs) Morton, our chancellor dundee because both of them are great and both of them are my friends i noticed that the students are so much more professional and the gpas were so much better i saw a lot of people with GPAs between 3.5 and 4. uh, that was unusual (laughs) and things so i brought in about i say 40 resumes of which maybe Five or ten, we will interview. Oh,
1: that's great, and maybe hire a few of those. Good. So, did you, the nuclear engin- the PhD news from Sweden, from Sweden, Chalmers, Chalmers, and engineering. the engineering and double E so is that? The, the,
0: the, no, the story likes this. So, when I first came to United States, I went to Lamar University in Texas because okay. my brother was there. Okay, and in fact, I took a course in nuclear engineering with a professor called Doctor Bean. I love the guy, and But I left Lomar. I wanted to, it was not big enough university for me. So I wanted to go to a bigger place and I wanted to study nuclear because Iran and also Dr. Bean taught a very good nuclear Mm. engineering course. So when I thought about going to get a PhD, I could have wanted, I wanted in either nuclear, electrical or computer, so. I called Doctor Bean and the dean of college. So I'm thinking about this. We love to have you back, and we will keep my credits. I've taken a bunch of courses there. So I was there six months or maybe nine months. They said we'll activate those. We give you credit for that. But you got to bring some more. So I had to take courses. Actually, I had to go sit in some classes. Mm-hmm. But I did a lot of it from here. So I would go there once every so often, and and it took me a, a while. So Dr. Bean and, and the, the Dean of College attracted me. So I said, well, I'm working on another one in Sweden. <laughs> I said, oh, you gotta come here. So I went there and did that. And then while I was doing that, I ran into this, another guy, professor, that we've been doing things together on the International Atomic Energy Agency and other places. And I was telling him there, he said, why did you not come to my school? <laughs> I said, I'm looking at all of my options. So what do you offer? And he actually said, come look at us. And I did. And I said, I'm going to start all three of them and see which one I like best. Because I didn't particularly care whether it's nuclear or electrical or computer. Now, if you ask my children, they say, really? you got three PhDs and you cannot uh, fix a TV or <laughs> work your phone. <laughs> I said, they don't give you pay. Because I have to ask my children to show me how my phone <laughs> works. So it's not for That's awesome. the kind of stuff that, so it was research, for me, I already, yeah, like research that, yeah. I've written a lot of papers, I've written yeah. books. Yeah. In fact, I screwed up because I wrote a book before I started my PhDs and I sh- if I haven't done that book would have been one of my dissertation, it would save uh-huh. me a lot of time already have so i had to write getting
1: your phd is less practicum and it's more research and stuff like that it
0: was well it, partly because we do a lot of research projects and i direct them and normally they expect you to be a phd hmm. they don't need three of them you just need to have one i just got involved and couldn't i loved all three both the professors and whoever i was dealing yeah. with so i just continue.
1: Just for clarity, you got three PhDs from three separate universities
0: all at the same time? From three different countries, not at the same time. No, over a period.
1: Over a period of time. Period of time. Okay. While you had started a business and were building a business.
0: Yes. Were you married yet? uh, Yes, I was. It was after I've established. I was established. I, Yes, there was periods of my time. Did Take your wife it. have any idea that this was going on? <laughs> no, I do these things between 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. People ask me that. When did you study? When did you saw so after dinner? I... That's what I did. Wow. wow. For
1: a while. No, it's impressive. I've got
0: to make some clear. One of my PhDs, not a PhD, is Doctor of Engineering. Doctor, okay, so that's a not a PhD. PhD. Okay. So the one I got in uh, Electrical Engineering is doctor of engineering, which that, is equivalent to PhD. To a PhD.
1: Okay. For example, right.
0: MIT gives that some schools do PhD, Some schools do a okay. doctor of engineering. So I got two PhDs and a doctor, a doctor of engineering. So
1: a PhD in nuclear is from Chalmers in Sweden. The computer engineering is from Lamar from, and the doctor of engineering is yes. Lamar in Texas. Wow. That's awesome. That's pretty incredible. So yeah, yeah. and I
0: was in, impressed because when I came back. Lamar is in a small town in, in Texas, near Houston called Beaumont. It's an old place. Mm -hmm. I love it. But so when I took my wife and all to get my graduation to, to my graduation ceremony, they didn't, but they weren't impressed. They weren't impressed. But Beaumont and and (laughs) I told them the chancellor of the university at that time was Dr. Jimmy Cheek. As in the one that was here? Uh, the one right before, uh, yeah, Do- before uh, Do- Donde, we had a transition one. No, De- oh, De- that's right. De- that's right. Beverly yeah. Davenport yes. came after Doctor Cheek, Cheeks. yeah, and then Dundee came. So, Doctor Cheek is, in my opinion, uh, one of the people responsible for the uh, infrastructure of the University of Tennessee mm-hmm. today, that is so great and things. So he went to Lamar University too, yeah. and I think his wife might have gone to Lamar So. Oh. I would tell people, listen, it's a good university. Look, our chancellor, (laughs) I think he got his PhD from somewhere else. I think he got his master's degree from Blombard University.
1: Uh, All right. So at this point, I'm piecing the story together. You got these PhDs, you started your business, you got married. Yes. Did you meet your wife at UT or where did you meet your wife? Uh, My wife, I've known her, I went to school and I was in his.
0: In Iran, oh, wow. we all were in the same school. Oh, okay. So I was friendly with their sister, but I also knew her. Okay, But then when I came here, uh, my parents every day I said, when are we getting married? When are we getting married? So, so I am working on it. Uh, but he was not, I wasn't good at it. Poor, ugly, always working, no money, nothing. <laughs> so what, what would, and I had a friend when I came here, he was really, he discouraged me. He said, look, don't waste your time. Why would anybody want to go out with you? He sounds like a good friend. (laughs) Well, actually, he was trying. He was trying to make sure the ones that are there are not going to to come to you.
1: He's protecting his territory. So my parents (laughs) actually helped me find my wife and marry her. That's pretty awesome. She lived in Boston. Okay, so she was here in the states. No, she she was in America.
0: Uh, Okay, all right. So she's Iranian as well. She was Iran, yeah. She's Iranian, and she was a bank manager in Boston when I married her. And then when she came here, she
1: was mostly taking care of our family. Family, so what? How did you convince her yeah. to move to Tennessee from Boston? Certainly, she—that's a big change. My good looks. You, my the, the opposite <laughs> of what your friend said, right? Money, good looks.
0: <laughs> I didn't have much money then, but no, it wasn't hard. She was okay to that's come Boston. Awesome. That's good. And in it, fact, one of the reasons, like. So I got to tell you this, so my brother-in-law's, so my wife has two sisters, both went to MIT and Harvard. So whoever goes to MIT and Harvard, of course, she's on top of the world. Because yeah. Those are, and they had PhD and I think one of them had two PhDs. So I thought I got to catch up with these guys. So that was one of the. Motivators. Incentives. Yeah. So <laughs> if I got <laughs> one, I would just be at their level. I wanted to exceed that. So. I got three. That was one of the reasons I forgot to tell
1: you that. That's why I got three. You guys yeah, may have to one. but sure I make sure that <laughs> from three
0: from three different countries. Is
1: it culturally? What well, the word for it? Is it culturally relevant or, or important? The educational piece. Is oh, that like something that from an Iranian perspective? Absolutely. It's like it's expected. That if you're I, going to go it, to college,
0: yes. I'm sure my wife would not marry me if I just had a bachelor's degree. Masters, where I was on the board. Is it, it's, so
1: it's a big culturally. It's a big deal. Oh yeah,
0: you gotta have education. That's really? a huge deal
1: huh. in the culture. Interesting.
0: So when you go try to find a wife, the first thing they ask is, "Is what's his education?" Wow, that's number one. So huh. education is very important. There is a lot. So. It's like other countries. We have a lot of highly educated people yeah. here in America sure. and in Iran. Iranian are very educated people. Yeah. So I tell you what, I was in Iran five, six years ago in the north part near the beach, right? I was in a taxi. The taxis are really sometimes not that great looking or anything. It's very noisy and the guy doesn't look great. So he says, they immediately can tell you came from America. Oh, you came from America. So yes. So I know everything about America. I said, What do you know? So everything. I said, Who's the president? I think at that time Obama was president. President Obama was there. He said, President Obama. So that's good. Who's the Secretary of State? John Kerry. So I said, This one he was. He wouldn't know. This is the Iranian taxi driver. I said, Who's the Secretary of Energy of the United States? He knew. It was Ernie Moniz. He knew the Secretary of Energy of the United States. That's impressive. I bet you fifty percent of the American would not know that. Yeah. So they're very educated at all levels and things, both scholastically going through school yeah. and also through just reading stuff. Yeah. I was interviewed by BBC, the Persian BBC yeah. language, and I didn't know anything. I, was, I When I was excited to come here, obviously, but when they called me and said they want to interview me, I didn't think much of it. And it was done like this in my office. And it was in Farsi, in Iranian language, because it was broadcast BBC out of Britain, okay. out of England. But it was broadcast simultaneously in Iran. The minute I got off the phone, off the thing, my aunt called me. So, I just saw you on TV. It's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Which is fine. That's my aunt. And I haven't told her. And then my mom called. So everybody knows. This. And my mom lives in an apartment complex. And the doorman called me. <laughs> I just <I>, saw <laughs> because they have a little TV in that shack where yeah. the dormant is yeah. because they keep up with what's going on. And nobody knew I was going to be on TV. Wow, so that's, that's how awesome. educated they are. That's incredible. CNN, if you go to my mom's house in Iran, the TV, the kitchen on CNN. CNN.
1: Huh. Are you, is your mom still alive? Yes, my mom is here actually right now.
0: Oh, really? My mom, has been here. She came here to visit and stay for a while. But COVID came, oh, okay. and I, she's a little bit older, so I don't like her to live by herself. Yeah. How old is she? She's 90 years old. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Your yeah. father has My father away? passed away here in Oxford Oh wow, 10 okay. years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy. One thing, again, I think probably we don't understand, just to make sure clear, you can come and go from Iran. There's yes. no restrictions. Can Americans just, I can book a ticket and go to Iran? Absolutely. They would love you there. Okay.
0: They would think you're sort of Iran. I know, you Mo- look most of my,
1: my, I'm <laughs> Sicilian, which is like a stone's throw from Egypt. So it's practically the Middle East at the end right. of the day. So I think that, and when I do the, our DNA, like I have a lot of Middle Eastern influence in my DNA. They so. would think
0: you're Iranian. You look like a tough Iranian yeah. guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my, so I think I share with you, my business partner is, he's Indian, he's Muslim, his last name is Siddiqui. And so I would always
0: See, he's the son of Dr. Dr. Doctor Nassim. Yes.
1: So the very influential Muslim family here in in East Tennessee. Man, I think around the world. But I would hang out a lot. When I was single, I hung out with Nadim a little bit more and I would be around that that those that group of of folks. And they all were like, Are you Middle Eastern? Are you from Iran? Are you from Iraq? Or where are you from? Like especially if I start to grow my beard a little bit, then I look even more so. I've been told that a lot, yeah. darn don't Dark know that's
0: a good thing or a bad thing, but...
1: It's just a thing. <laughs> it's just a thing. I'm okay with it. Tell, I just love to hear the story of AMS. Like, you and Dr. Curlin started. Tell us what it is, what the idea was.
0: So, it's said like this. We are in the business of testing the control systems of nuclear power plants. Okay. So, nuclear power plants are regulated heavily so that there is no accident. Regulated by the federal government, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is the police. And the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission is considered the gold standard for nuclear for the world. Everybody follows, even Iran. Hmm. When I was talking to some Iranian people who run the Russian nuclear power plant, I asked them, what do you use for the education? So we use a lot of the... Mm. regulations or the guidelines of the NRC. Okay. So? It's regulated. You have to measure something. So you measure, for example, to simplify temperature, right? And If the temperature is above it or spikes or exceeds a limit, you tell the control system that this is too much and they have some criteria. And if necessary, they shut the plant down. And to shut a nuclear plant down, is to drop bunch of what we call control and shutdown rods into the reactor it eats the neutrons and shut. it's just but the problem with the nuclear power plant not a problem but an issue is that you can never go stop it to zero it's, if mm. you break the car it will stop but it still goes a little bit so you have to watch but it because it's alive now. It, uh, yes, it stays, a very good way of yeah. saying it, it stays alive yeah. even when you it's shut it down. It's radioactive. Like it's, so,
1: it's a living thing.
0: So what we do, we make sure that the temperature sensors are fast enough if something happens in the reactor. Okay. They have to respond within seconds. And we also have to make sure the rods come in fast enough to shut the reactor okay. down. The Chernobyl reactor, the accident was con- partly, went as bad as it did because the shutdown system of the plant for like three or four seconds too late. Wow. And you were not involved in that. I have been to Chernobyl actually, but I wasn't involved with that. We
1: actually, you weren't measuring or part of it. We were not because
0: Chernobyl is in Russia. It It was at that time, it was maybe it will be again soon. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. We'll know in the next 10 days, so. Chernobyl is now in Ukraine, yeah. right? Uh, okay. But it was in Russia during the accident. Right. It's a kind of reactor that we don't work on. Mm-hmm. We work on pressurized water reactors mostly, I'm boiling. That's a different, that's a graphite reactor. Okay. So it's different control systems. Okay. And all. But I know how it works, right? right? No, we were not involved.
1: What about the one in the States, in Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh? What's that TMI? one? TMI.
0: So, Three Mile Island. Three Mile Island, yeah. So, we were involved. We were very involved in that. So, I was a graduate student at that time. When did it happen? In 1979, right? Mm, late 70s, yeah. I still was at UT, even though I got my master's degree. I was there still at UT, and we were involved. So, we've taught a course, and Dr. Curlin. I am was just a graduate student, so mm-hmm. I was a very important guy though. all. I still, I'm not, but I was less important then. So we got a call because we have taught a course about things, control Mm systems, stuff. So so we have this problem and the plant was still not under control. So I remember I stayed day and night. We were making measurements to try to see. They wanted... You went up there? I didn't. Some of the other people I was working with, I was a peon. I wanted to go, but Mm -hmm. they wouldn't take me. Mm -hmm. I did go and did spend a lot of time there after the accident was over with. I went after everything was... We got a contract from the Department Mm. of Energy to go back and look at to see how the sensors and systems survived the accident. During the accident, we were working all the time trying to come up with ways to say whether or not they had Mm. water in the pipes. Mm. And we did help some... Mm. Actually, University of Tennessee was a professor, Dr. Robinson, that actually came up with some testing that was very mm-hmm. helpful to mm-hmm. the accident recovery.
1: Was Chernobyl and Three Mile Island just, this is a little, I want to go back to AMS here in a minute, but those are different accidents. Because Chernobyl is like, you're not supposed to even be there. It's a contaminated Today, state. today, no,
0: yeah, you're not Versus Three Mile to.
1: Island, you can go there, right? Oh yeah, it's,
0: actually Three Mile Island was two units. Okay. One unit went under accident, TMI okay. 2 not, and unit 2. Had the accident unit one operated till about two, three years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. They shut it down for economic reasons. Okay. But TMI two, had the accident. in fact, when I went there to do testing about a year after the accident or maybe two years after the accident, the other one was operating.
1: Okay. So, so you didn't have to wear special stuff or it wasn't like radioactive well, contamination. No, kind. not at all. Whereas uh, Chernobyl. It's Cher- a contaminated.
0: Then I went to Chernobyl, even though it was a long time after the accident. I just didn't wear the stuff that I was wearing after I came back from. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: It's a hypocritical for us to say that kind of stuff because we work in nuclear. Yeah. But again, that's one of the things that the public is is mis- misinformed. It's not like dangerous uh, to the level. You got to be careful. Yeah. But it's not like that. So when I went to Chernobyl. They shot all the, there was four units there. The one that had the accident, they have built a $10 billion thing that comes over. They call it something, but I can't pronounce it. Uh, it's a big, huge home.
1: Contain it to contain it's it? It's a
0: big dome like this on a rail that they built and they bring it onto the top of the plant that is uh, that had the accident. So it's contained in that wow. dome. That's crazy. And so the day before yesterday, and they announced that the russians have been there Mm -hmm. and the radiation level has gone up. but the radiation level didn't go up because anything happened in the reactor it's because when you drive cars and tanks there the dust gets up into the air
1: bringing it back up again yeah i have a
0: great story about when i went to chernobyl but i'll tell you that later but because that's (laughs) not related to my business
1: (laughs) all right so you guys basically measure these control systems and monitor them, help these, whoever runs these plants, these nuclear power plants, to make sure they're in compliance with the regulations of the NRC. Is that a simple way to Very say Very
0: well said. Okay. Ex- extremely. We are really like doctors. We measure your temperature, pressure, okay. heart rate. We look in your eyes and all to see if there, everything is okay. And if there is something wrong with you. We tell you what it is, but we don't fix don't it. Fix we it. tell you.
1: So, do fixed. you provide? You write software. Do you provide so, hardware? What is it? Yeah. That the company so we does?
0: actually make measurements. So we measure temperature, pressure, level, neutron flux, vibration, those kind of things, and uh, we analyze the data, and we use high technology, AI, and mm-hmm. all neural networks, and we transform, that kind of stuff. Okay. Analyze the data, and through that we can tell whether or not the plant safety systems work correctly wow. and meet the regulations. Wow.
1: And what, like you started in the late seventies, right? <laughs> yes, in nineteen seventy-seven. Is the first. and it was like just you and the you and your professor me and Doctor me and Doctor you Curl. were the and
0: employees. He was the boss. I was the. I did the. I was yes. He was the boss. I was the
1: employee. And tell me about the evolution of it. So that so we the, hired one guy, Kent Peterson.
0: And he was awesome. He worked for me for 20 years. Wow. So I bought Dr. Kerlin out in 10 years after we had done. Okay. He went and became the department head of nuclear engineering. So he went back. He was always in the school, but he became the head and I bought the company from him. And then I've been on my own since 1985. Oh
1: wow. So okay. 85
0: company started. So 85, I bought Dr. Curlin. He helped me through the transition mm-hmm. and he worked for us a little bit as consultant. But we hired this guy, Ken Peterson, brilliant engineer, nuclear engineer, and very street smart guy. And he and I worked very well together. We were good together, but we weren't great alone. So he was my engineer, my accountant, my everything except janitor. I was the janitor. (laughs) So I asked him to do the bathroom. So I did that myself. Other than that, he did everything, and I did everything.
1: And was it just cur- you guys at that point? Yeah,
0: we had a couple of part timers. Yeah, for the first.
1: How are you getting business at this point? Is it just because what? It's a small community in that in in the whole nuclear power ex- plant. Ex- you just knew ex- everybody exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's a very good way of saying it. We even then we were academics. So we would go to conferences and shows and mm. things, and we would let people. Plus, what we were doing at that time was regulated. Okay. So the regulations was getting uh, harder, so the plants would hear, oh, we got to be doing this. All Who right. does it? AMS. We would, they would come to us.
1: Was there anybody else? Did there was any? another
0: company here called Technology for Energy Corporation that was started also just like my company from the University of Tennessee Nuclear Engineering. They weren't doing these kind of things, but they were in the picture as well, yes.
1: they still exist? And they don't do they this don't.
0: kind of stuff, but I think they do, they exist, yes, and yeah. they do other things. Wow.
1: What do you, What? how big is the organization today? AMS? you, you... We are
0: about 100 people, about 70 people here in Knoxville, 30 of them around the world. 100 people? Yes, and uh, so the 70 are always there. The other ones are as needed basis. Okay. They are either in the United States or in Europe or in China, or Where in Korea. Where are your
1: Korea. customers? All over the world?
0: All over the world. Any nuclear power plant, almost any nuclear power plant that's American built, okay. we do something there. Really? Yeah. There's there was a hundred of them in the United States. So I still like to use the hundred. They have shot a few of them down okay, because of economic reasons, but I still refer to a hundred because yeah. that's an easy number to remember. And there's 450 in the whole world. So it's not we, a lot. we do, it's not that we do. Used to be 20% of U.S. electricity come from nuclear power. Really? So it's a major, oh yeah, wow. after fossil is gas and coal. Yeah. So after fossil, nuclear okay. is still number two, right? Yeah. So in the world, it used to be about 15, 16%. It's dropped down to about 10 or 11% okay. of the world. Is. But it's going up because China is building a lot of nuclear, nuclear power, power plants. plants. Are you doing we work in We are building China? two here. Yes,
1: yes, here? we do work with China, yes. Okay. You're building. There's two being built in the United States. Yeah, in Georgia. Yes, right really? now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Next year, one of them. Georgia one. Power.
0: Georgia Power. It's called Southern Nuclear. Okay. Southern Nuclear Company. We work with them. In fact, I talked to them yesterday. We worked with them very closely. Huh. Unit three and four, and they built four of these. American built reactors in China, so we did okay. the testing of wow. all those four in China. Is
1: Savannah River Nuclear.
0: No, Savannah River is a is a, the weapon uh, production the Department of Energy uh, uh, weapon and um, maybe some isotope stuff. Okay, not nuclear power. Not
1: nuclear power. Okay, we <coughs> I think the one that we probably know the have heard the most about is Browns Ferry, right in Alabama. Yeah, Browns and Ferry. And it's shut down. No, right no, now, Browns so? Ferry
0: is, it was shut down. Okay, for a while. But the the three units there, they are boiling water reactors, belong to TVA. Okay, we do work there too.
1: We do work there too. Can you help us? I don't think most people, I think most people hear nuclear engineer, they think about, I think they put like astrophysicist, neuroscientist, nuclear engineer, like all those things go into that category of like really smart person and no idea what they do. And so what, can you explain what is a nuclear power plant? What, how does that, what do you do? do? What is like, like people don't even understand nuclear energy for the most part. There's something, right? What is the central point of nuclear technology, so to speak. Okay. So to generate
0: electricity, you've got to turn something right. in a magnetic field. Okay. So if you can turn something in a magnetic field, you can generate electricity. Okay. So what are the various So like hydro ways? goes through the yeah, thing, like for example, turns the generators, which exactly. creates so there's hydro, so you can pour water on a fan and make it rotate in a, and that would generate electricity. electricity. The efficiencies are different. So conventionally you boil water. And you get the steam like burn a, coal like a pressure cooker if you boil the water the steam is high pressure So which it, is
1: why they put like bull runs next to the river yes. it pulls water in exactly. they're burning coal they're heating the water yeah, up Yeah. so you okay. heat
0: up the water and and create the steam once you have a steam you just make it go through a fan and rotate. Okay. Like blowing on a fan. Got it. Rotates it and the rest Creates is electricity. easy. electricity. Okay. There is, the rest is easy. Or you can boil water with coal or with gas or with, with, with oil.
1: Yeah.
0: Or you can boil water with nuclear fission.
1: Okay. And the
0: way it works is that you have nuclear fuel and you ignite it with, with neutrons. Okay. And when it ignites, you can't see anything, but when it ignites, Inside these pipes that are called fuel rods, the pipe gets very hot. Okay. You take water through it and create the steam. steam. And the rest Same is- Same thing. The rest is, so the primary system of a nuclear plant is different, but the secondary system is all like the, like, like ball
1: Is our nuclear power plants primarily boiling water? Is that the primary thing? No,
0: there's two kinds. So both of them water boils in them. Okay. But one called pressurized more popular than boiling water okay. you, you put it under pressure because if you boil water it boils at 100 degrees c or 20, 20 12 D. so if you pressurize it put pressure on it it boils at a higher temperature mm. like 600 degrees f okay. or 300 degrees c. so we put pressure on the water so that it boils at a higher temperature okay and uh the, because the steam will be more powerful okay that's called pressurized water reactor. Then The boiling water reactor is a little bit different. Okay.
1: That's fascinating. And where do you get nuclear energy? So... How nucle- do you create nuclear energy? So nuclear is energy... It
0: harvesting something? So this light that's on there is powered by electricity. Nuclear energy is synonymous with electricity. So okay. nuclear energy means electricity.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So nuclear power... I don't use the word nuclear power that much because nuclear power... Sometimes means the weapon, atomic
1: bomb. Yeah, yeah. So nuclear yeah. energy is electricity. And but the core of it, a nuclear isotope, is that right? What it's called, but or you can what's see, the uh, proper term? Nuclear fuel. What is that? That's uranium. And how do you get uranium? Ice. You mine it somewhere. Yeah, you
0: mine. It's like coal. Okay, except it's different.
1: It's something in the ground. It's a natural resource. Exactly. in the ground. Exactly. And where does it exist? Mm. So.
0: This is amazing question you ask. So it's God is good because, so you see all the oil that are in the Middle East. So Middle East, and this is generality, okay. Middle East have all this oil and gas, Russia also. Yeah. Uranium is all in the West. Really? Russia, yeah. So it's a lot of like the uranium. In the United
1: States of America. Some
0: in the United States, Canada has it and all. It's, so God says, okay, the sources of energy, <laughs> I'm to give all the oil and gas. To, the, to that part of the world and I'll give all the uranium huh. these guys can do more so because these are all technology companies okay. countries interesting it's sort of so it's, it's more abandoned in the western countries than it is in the okay. in the middle East western... but Russia has a lot of it too
1: okay so South America North America contain a lot of uranium
0: we have generally we have more uranium in the western world than we have, plus Russia than the, the, the middle
1: East areas is it an unlimited resource Yes, as of now, yes. Really?
0: Yeah, it's and it has no other use. You can't do anything else with uranium other than to burn it in a nuclear plant and make electricity. Huh. So it's a free thing out there that if you don't use it, it's not, it has no other use. It's just
1: rocks. And so are there companies that mine for oh, yeah. uranium? So there's a lot of companies. So it's a commercial enterprise. Yeah,
0: the a huge con today. If you read the Wall Street Journal and all today, the nuclear industry is asking the Biden administration not to impose sanction on Russians uh, uranium producers because then the price of uranium will go up uh, and we'll have problem yeah. uh, the electricity cost in the United States will increase hmm. interesting
1: so um, I guess there's a thought that we could become more energy independent if we please. would leverage our capacity for nuclear power or energy or however
0: it's a statement they just made that's what we like people to know and say
1: but there's fear because of three mile and chernobyl people have heard these things that
0: justified fear because it's all like the misinformation about many things nuclear have received a lot of misinformation and we are in smaller industry than other power generation sources russia like fossil they have a lot, a lot more mm-hmm. lobby, a lot more muscle than we do in nuclear power. So we we don't have enough to go over there and tell people our story as well as the other, the mm-hmm. competitors. So,
1: is that part of so, Russia and China cozying up? Is that China wants to build nuclear power plants definitely. and they know that their uranium exists in Russia and they need I that? I don't think
0: that may be a little bit into the calculus, okay. but I don't think that's any predominant Got reason it. So for it. it's anything. not an
1: energy issue? No, okay. It's not an energy and one last thing, to make a nuclear weapon, that's enriching uranium. So,
0: yes. Yeah, so, the uranium enrichment in conventional plant, like the ones that generate electricity, Is very low it's only less than five percent. Okay, research reactor is nearly about 20 percent. Okay, weapons are in the uh, nearly 90 percent. How
1: do you enrich uranium? What does that mean? Uh, it may be I'm not in that thing,
0: and uh, enrichment there's ways to do that. So that's not you,
1: don't that's not your we don't do
0: anything. Okay, Uh, I don't think it's classified, I know stuff classified. So (laughs) when they interviewed (laughs) BBC. The lady asked, How much plutonium do we need to build a bomb? I said, Lady, first of all, I don't know the answer. <laughs> Second, even though I did, I wouldn't Tell say you. the BBC here. <laughs>
1: yeah. What turns
0: out that information is actually public information.
1: About um, them. So, what's plutonium? Is it the same thing?
0: Is it is something that you can create other uranium? So, actually, when
1: you can create it yeah. from uranium. Yeah.
0: So, actually, in a in a to, in a way, to, to make it easy for non-nuclear people to understand is when you burn uranium in a nuclear power plant, actually part of the ashes is better fuel than you put in there. Hmm. And so you can produce plutonium using the uranium.
1: Interesting. Okay. And
0: that's why we call it, that's why the governments, the big governments are worried about nuclear because you can actually create
1: yeah, got it. which
0: is which goes into the weapon
1: so what that is one last thing what's one of the things would be environmental so what's the downside what's the waste that gets created from so nuclear
0: as you said just said it so the benefit of nuclear is that it doesn't create any pollution burns really clean it's very clean yeah. energy source the problem is what do you do with the ashes with mm-hmm. waste and and that's the question. So you've got to find a place to put it so that it doesn't leak into other places. Yeah. So the United States built a place called repository in in uh, Nevada called mm-hmm. Yucca Mountain, a big hole in the ground. But then politically, that was not approved for. So today, nuclear plants keep their waste on site mm-hmm. in the plant. So that's a problem. The other problem economics are nuclear. It's very expensive to build one. Mm-hmm. So it used to cost 5 billion or less. Now it costs over 15 billion to build a 1000 megawatt nuclear power. So cost is a problem, waste is a problem. Fear of accident is also a problem. Even though accident, nuclear accident have not really been as bad as very rare and not as bad as other accidents.
1: So it's a bigger problem, the financial burden to build one and then dealing with the waste. I have a friend that works I think he works for the NRC. He's a he's like a police officer. Like he guards nuclear waste or something. He's in Oak Ridge. Hmm. He like travels like with these. <clears throat> I guess they transport this stuff somewhere. Yeah, so he's
0: in Oak Ridge. It mostly probably is involved with the weapon and yes, material he production. For Department of Defense. Yeah, that's what they do. Uh, yeah,
1: it's pretty crazy. Love spending time with hash. That was, uh, episode one. Hope you enjoyed it. Please stay tuned in a couple weeks for episode two, as we're going to get into him starting his business and what it's like to be an engineer running your own business. And he's been at it for a really long time. So you're going to want to hear episode two. Thanks again.